Thank you so much for financially empowering our ministry. Your donations are helping us take this digital material and package it up in physical form in order to distribute it to people who would never otherwise have the opportunity to hear the unique message that God has given us. The gospel is going forward, not just digitally, but also physically in the world around you because of your donations. Thank you for making the difference in the lives of people who are now able to hear the gospel, maybe for the first time. Thanks so much for your generosity. Hey, welcome to session three of The Great Adventure. The title of the talk today is The Best Gift. The Best Gift. We're talking about the wise men. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then 9 through 11, this is what the Bible says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Christmas is often called the season of giving, rightfully so, because humanity is often most generous around Christmas time. We put extra offerings in the plate at church. And no, not just for the tax deduction, <clears throat> but we do. And then we also give extra coins to the Salvation Army who are standing outside of our shopping centers ringing their bells. And we feel so guilty because we've just spent hundreds of dollars inside of these big box stores and at the malls. And then we walk out acting like we don't have any spare change to put into the little red bucket. So we often send our kids with like a penny or a dime or something that they can give to Salvation Army. And then we often give gifts at Christmas time, more times than not, but we also give gifts to people we don't even like. We don't even want to give gifts for. We often buy gifts for at Christmas time. But humanity, seriously, is most generous at Christmas time. It is the season of giving, whether it's just thoughtfulness or kindness or baking some cookies and delivering them, something simple that makes a big difference. We often are most generous as humanity at Christmas time. Do you remember? what the best gift you've ever received at Christmas is? I personally don't. I do know one thing. It had to have come from my wife. My wife is the best gift giver on the planet. She is so thoughtful when she gets a gift for someone else. She puts so much thought into who you are that you are a lucky person if my wife buys a gift for you. You will love the gift and you will feel very loved and, and, and has meaning to the gift that you just received. I've always gotten shoes for Christmas, ever since I was a little kid, my mom worked at a shoe store. When I was 18, my parents bought that shoe store. You better believe that if you're getting a gift from my family, shoes are going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. And hey, I'm not complaining. I love shoes. But you better believe there's going to be shoes involved. Some of you, I know right now, you're like, man, I want, I want to get a gift from your family. That's right, because you're going to get some shoes. I still, giving you some time to think, I still don't know what my favorite gift is that I've ever received is. Do you, have you thought of it yet? Well, I bet there's something that you know, and I bet something, I know it's true for me, and it's probably true for you too. Let's see if it is. I bet the things that went through your mind, you remember most of the gifts that you've given 
and less of the gifts that you've received over the years. We always remember what we've given instead of what we've received. You want to know why? Because maybe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we receive more blessing when we give than when we receive. See, it follows this psychological pattern that is true that actually works the opposite way of what you and I might think. This is how it goes. When I give something to someone else who's in need, there is a bond formed from the giver to the receiver that is not necessarily reciprocated. In other words, let me put this practically for you. If you buy a meal for someone in need on the streets in your hometown, there is a bond that is formed from you to them that they don't necessarily feel back towards you, although they're grateful. Now there is a responsibility that you feel for them that they don't feel for you, which is why the next time that you buy a meal for someone on the street, you're, you already have a connection with that person and you might do it again for that person. Or you're going to say hi to that person on the street and you're going to remember them because you gave to them and you have a sense of responsibility for them because you gave for them. So you look out for them. You ask them questions. You feel a bond that, guess what? They might not even remember who you are. And sometimes that hurts, if that's ever been the case for you, because there's a bond formed from the giver to the receiver that's not necessarily formed from the receiver to the giver. It's weird, isn't it? It's the opposite of what you might think, but it's true. And it's just this psychological phenomenon that is birthed out of generosity. That's why it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, I could preach so good right now if I could get off topic a little bit and tell you that that is why God's love for you is so relentless because he has given everything for you, the very air that you breathe, every good gift and perfect gift, you better believe it comes from above and that the fact that you are even able to hear and to watch and that you have the technology to see this right here, what I am saying to you and you can hear it, you can see it, you have the means, you have a place and shelter over over your head. You have food that has sustained you to be able to be here today. That is proof that God is generous towards you. And there is a bond that God has towards you that cannot be broken. That is based on the giver, not the receiver. So there's nothing you can do to break the bond that God has for you. And it has absolutely nothing to do with anything that you've ever done or anything that you've ever given to him or any action that you've ever done or any belief that you ever had, God's generosity is for all mankind. And there is a bond from God to all of humanity that can never be broken because it is formed from the giver to the receiver, whether it is reciprocated or not. Now I'm going to be done with my little preaching segment and I'll get back to the wise men. Somebody say amen, type it, share it, do whatever you got to do. But I feel like you need to know that right now today. I'm sure you decorated for Christmas. If you haven't decorated for Christmas yet, well, it's getting late. You need to go ahead and start decorating for Christmas. Ain't nobody else going to do it for you. And if you are decorating for Christmas, most of the time there's a nativity scene in there somewhere. And, and our little nativity scenes are so cute. 
They, they have the baby Jesus, of course, and Mary and Joseph and then an angel somewhere and a stable and some animals and some shepherds. And, and then there are uh, three wise men with oh, each holding a gift and then a camel somewhere nearby that they probably traveled on, right? Well, although it makes for a great scene and it is a representative of the, the story as a whole, it isn't necessarily a perfect depiction of what it was like on the night of the birth of Jesus. See, most historians and most theologians would agree that the wise men, given the fact that it says during the time of King Herod, they came from the east to Jerusalem. Well, if they were doing that, they probably showed up somewhere around 18 months to two years after Jesus was born. So Jesus was, was in the terrible twos. Jesus was... I'm sorry, the terrific twos. Jesus was in diapers. Jesus was probably still breastfeeding. Jesus was probably tearing everything up as a child into everything. They had to, 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 to babyfy the house and to baby-proof the house to, to make sure that he wasn't getting hurt and all of these things because Jesus was a little rug rat at this time that the wise men showed up. Now, these wise men, I've often wondered and I've often thought to myself, I wonder how they knew. Coming from the East, how did they know the Jewish scriptures well enough to be able to look for signs and, 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 and astronomy signs pointing to the birth of the Messiah. Like, how does that even take, and how did they know that this star represented the king of the Jews and that the Messiah would be Jewish and that he would be considered their, their king spiritually? Like, how did they know all of this stuff? I was preaching this about the wise men one December, and, and I posed that question hypothetically, and of course, I still didn't have an answer to it. And after, after the worship experience, a gentleman approached me, and he said, hey, I don't have the answer, but I have a thought, and I have um, an opinion that I want to share with you about this. And I said, okay. So he, he explained to me something that blew my mind and it put all the pieces together for me. And I would actually hold this opinion now today. And I want to share it with you because it's such a cool thing uh, to, to think about. Daniel, back at the end of the Old Testament, Daniel. When Daniel was taken captive and the Jewish people were taken captive around 586 B.C., by the Babylonians. They were exiled to Babylon. And that's where we find the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when we find that story, remember, uh, Daniel was considered a wise man, a magi, same word used in the language that is used here for the wise man, a magi. He was one of those in the king's court. And so Daniel was one of the wisest men who surrounded the king in Babylon. And so Daniel's influence, because remember, he was almost over the entire empire. His influence was so great as a magi that they probably ended up passing on his wisdom and the things that he taught them in the schools of magi. And just a couple centuries later, here we find these wise men from the east. Babylon is east of Israel. And they came from that era. They probably had been passed down information from Daniel, who, who, was, who was a devout Jew, 
who would have known the scriptures, who would have been looking for a Messiah, and said, here are some of the signs that point us to the Messiah from the Jewish scriptures. And it just made an interesting thought of how they might have known. But these astronomers, these magi, these wise men saw this astronomical phenomenon of a star that was out and that appeared and, and, and they knew to chase it. And then at, at about 18 months to two years after Jesus was born, they show up and they worship and they worship him by giving gifts, valuable gifts, great gifts, gifts with thought and gifts with meaning to the Messiah who happens to be a toddler. And I think this is where we get our gift-giving tradition. I think this is where we get the tradition at Christmas time of giving gifts to one another from the wise men who gave gifts to Jesus. And what's interesting about this is these magi traveled a great distance to present valuable gifts to a toddler. To a toddler, stumbling around, couldn't form a string of words properly, toddler. A toddler who was the very word of God, wrapped in soft brown skin with curly hair and wide eyes and silly giggles. A toddler whose very exhales were providing the inhale of life to every living, breathing thing on the planet, who although was fully dependent upon his mother for life, was the very giver of life that she had, that, I, that sustained her enough to be able to give life back to him. And they bring gifts to this wild little toddler who is the very prince of peace. And they take these gifts and place them in front of Jesus. And Jesus, although he's 18 months old, and although he had no verbal acceptance speech for this great act of worship that they were doing, he accepted their acts of worship in the form of generosity. See, generosity is one of the purest forms of worship. I mean, try to say this clearer, generosity toward another human is an act of worship to Jesus. When you give something to someone else, it is an act of worship to Jesus. And that's really the best gift of all. That, it, that when you give, the blessing is from the giver, that's the best gift. When you can give from the blessings of what God has blessed you with. The ability to give. The blessing to give. And here these guys show up and they give Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's some significance behind each one of those gifts that, that, that it don't serve our purposes here today. And you can look those up. But they gave knowing they were getting nothing in return. They gave to a toddler knowing he had nothing to give them. Yet they worshiped in generosity. And it makes me wonder that if we knew every act of generosity toward another human was an act of worship to Jesus, how much more and how much better would we give 
Like if you were buying someone else's groceries as an act of generosity, which is very generous. But if you knew that that wasn't just an act of generosity toward that person, but if you knew it was a pure act of worship to Jesus, would you not say, oh no, go back and get the ham. Go back and grab the wine. Go back and get this. You know you need this too. And you would do it the best you can. And you would throw extra things in the cart. Not just, okay, let's buy theirs because they don't have much. You would do the best you could if you knew it was an act of worship to Jesus. Or if you're making a meal for a family because they just had a baby or they're in the hospital or you're just being kind and delivering a meal to someone. If you knew that it wasn't just an act of generosity toward them, but that it was, an, it was a, a form of worship to Jesus, would you not make the best meal and serve it on the best china that you had? Would you not also make the dessert? And not just a quick one, but the best one you can make and deliver it in all the courses that accompany it? Every act of generosity toward another human is a pure form of worship to Jesus when there are no strings attached and you expect nothing in return. And here, these wise men expect nothing in return, yet what they got in return was so much greater than the gifts that they presented this toddler. See, they got life and love everlasting that were theirs for eternity. They gave, expecting nothing in return, but the Savior of the world, although he was a toddler, would give them love and life for eternity that were theirs, that they couldn't earn, that they couldn't keep, that were not actually even dependent upon the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they had traveled a great distance to give, yet they did it anyway. But they did it as an example for you and as an example for me that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That the best gift is the gift of giving. The best gift is not just how you give, but what you give and the spirit in which you give it. See, I wonder for you this Christmas, what blessings you'll receive because you gave. If you'll give every gift as if it's an act of worship to Jesus, as if it'll be the best you have in the best way. And the best doesn't mean the most expensive, but the best does mean with the most thought, with the most meaning and the most purpose behind it. Let me make it really practical for you today outside of Christmas, even though we're in the Christmas spirit, is that are you giving everything you have to your family, the best you have? Because that's a pure act of worship to Jesus. When you give the best of yourself, we often give the best of ourselves to everybody else except for our family. But what if you gave the best of yourself to your family? What if you gave the best of you to everybody? What if you always gave the best of you? And it was a pure act of worship to Jesus. See, you would know the blessing of life. You want to know why? It wouldn't be draining of yourself. No, that's a false narrative that is the opposite of the way it actually works, which is why the world teaches you that because the world works in opposition to the reality of the kingdom of God. And when you give the best of yourself to everybody else, you are the one who receives the blessing through the blessing you've given everybody else because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, the way to bless yourself, the way to give yourself the best is to give everybody else the best of you. Then you receive the best of you because you get the blessing 
of giving, which is the best gift of all. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So every, in the everyday life, in the everyday things, give and give generously. Give, give what you have, the best that you have, and give all that you have of yourself because the best gift is the one given from the resource of the blessings that God has given to you. And just like the wise men, make this Christmas intentional. Make this season intentional of generosity, knowing that the one who has been most generous to you has a bond for you that cannot be broken. And that is what you're giving away to other people. That when you give to someone else and you form that bond to someone else, it is a bond that doesn't just come from you, but it's actually coming from God to you that you have now received, that you have to give away. And now you're giving them the bond of God that they might experience for the first time through your generosity, because you're never more like Jesus than when you're giving, because God has first given to you. Hang on just a second. I've got a fantastic and practical way for you to put this into practice this week. Hey, we want to pray with and for you today. The Bible says that we can cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. It also says, let our requests be made known to God. It also says where two or more gathered in my name, I'm with them. And we believe that we can do that virtually and that we're all coming around in agreement together for your needs and for the needs of others around you. And so we want to hear your requests. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. And we want to see what God can do with your life and through your life. So we want to hear from you. Text us. Text us your prayer request to 252 499 can't wait to be praying for you. Okay, adults, here's what I want you to do. I want you this week to give away something of value and something with meaning to someone else in need who may not ever be able to repay you back. Not just giving it to give it and to say that you've given something to someone who can't repay you back. But maybe that looks like giving forgiveness to someone who could never give that back to you. Maybe it looks like giving something monetarily of value to someone who doesn't have the means to repay you back. Maybe it looks like loving your family in a way that they could never repay you back. Whatever it is, give something of value and meaning to someone this week who cannot repay you. Remember, it's an act of worship to Jesus. Kids, you ready? Here's one for you that's going to be fun, and it's going to be fun for the whole family. You ready? I want you to bake a batch of cookies. Now, I don't care where you get these cookies from. I don't care if they're pre-made. I don't care if you make them from scratch, but I want you to bake them. I want you to have fun baking them, and I want you to decorate them. Have fun with this. Get some icing. Get some sprinkles. Get some colored sugar. Get whatever makes it look festive and seasonal, and I want you to deliver them to an elderly person. I want you to give it away to someone who's older. If you want to give them away to someone specific, you do that. If you want to give a few away to different people, do that. But I want you to make them, and I want them to be yours, and I want you to handcraft something so that it has an attachment to who you are and has your personality all over it, and then I want you to give it away. And yes, you can enjoy one yourself, but I want you to know the feeling of giving and how giving is so much better 
than receiving and that you can see the joy that others have because of the gift that you've given them. Be blessed. Have a fantastic week. Merry Christmas. Hey, we've taken this entire series and put it into book form. We've condensed each session into a small devotional that you can read and put into action with weekly activities every single year during Advent, bringing meaning and purpose to your Christmas season with your family. Go check it out. It's available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in paperback form. And you can check out more information on our website at freshfaith.org.